0: our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. At the very end of the Gospel lesson, Jesus says these words, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now in our day, when we hear Pharisees and scribes, we're pretty well programmed to think that the Pharisees and the scribes are the, quote, bad guys. But in the time Jesus said this, they were not. When they heard, the Pharisees and the scribes were basically the models of righteousness. In our culture, you can kind of think of it as the monks or the nuns. You hear here, maybe I'm no nun or whatever. The scribes and the Pharisees they were the ones that everybody thought that they had it all together. And so when Jesus says that your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees every single person that heard those words would have been struck with terror. Especially because just beforehand Jesus told them that he is not, he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He told them that he would not relax any of his commandments. And so after he says these words, he tells you about more about the law. The Sermon on the Mount, I don't know if you realize, if you ever read through the whole thing of it, it's chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. It takes up 10% of the Gospel of so It's a pretty good chunk. That text, the whole sermon, is very, very heavy law. It is very strong words of condemnation from Jesus. Because right after he tells them that your righteousness must be greater than the scribes and the Pharisees, then he tells them that he says, you've heard it said, you shall not kill. But I tell you that if you hate your brother, if you have you say of your brother, you fool, you are liable to judgment. You are liable to the fires of hell. You know, you always hear people say Jesus never says anything mean or judgmental? Oh yeah, he does. And no, he is. So in other words, what he is saying is if you another human being, who, who is your brother? Who is your sister? Everybody. If you hate them, or think or say wicked thoughts about them, you are guilty of breaking the fifth commandment. You are guilty of murder in your heart. Then Jesus says, you have heard it say, you shall not commit adultery.'" Tell you if you look lustfully upon another, you have committed adultery with them in your heart. So again, if you ever look upon that guy or gal and think, "Ooh, look at them," then you have committed adultery with them in your heart. And if you don't, if you think that none of us, there is no struggle with that one. Just watch how much our TV feeds into that nature. In case you didn't notice, there was a halftime time show last week that did that. That is feeding into the lustful nature in every single one of us. And then Jesus gets even more difficult. He says, you've heard instead that you are to love your neighbor you're supposed to love your friends but hate your enemies. But he says, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for your enemies. That is not easy. Now, give your perspective. So this here's let's go to something very relevant and recent. This week, we in case you haven't noticed, we had a lot of political stuff in the last week. According to Paul, what this means. He talks about praying for others, praying for our leaders. Whatever side you're on, you you are to pray for and give thanks for your political leaders. That includes President Donald Trump and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. How often do we pray thanks to both of them? Easy. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, Paul, you just don't get it. We have really corrupt government. Remember, Paul is talking about Nero. And the best word to describe Nero is sadistic, psychopathic. He is the guy that would execute Paul and was lighting the streets of Rome with burning bodies of Christians. And yet Paul says, you are to pray and give thanks for Nero. That is praying for your enemies. There is. That's on our national stage, but what about those in our personal lives? He also says that we are to give to the needy. He's, and at the end of the chapter 5, which by the way, that means there's still two chapters left with the Sermon on the Mount, he gives you. The standard, he says, you are to be, your righteousness is to exceed that of scribes and Pharisees. He tells you how far you have to exceed. He says, you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the standard. Perfection is what God demands. And unless your righteousness is as on the same level as God the Father, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, how often do we hear people, if you ask so many people, you'll ask them, are you gonna get? do you believe you are, are saved, that you're going to go to heaven when you die? The answer for so many is, well, I think I'm a pretty decent person. Jesus says, no, you are not. You are nowhere close to good enough. And even the good works that we do are tainted by our own sin. That's a hard law. And that's where what Paul says in the beginning of his epistle, at the beginning of chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians, becomes relevant. testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Now the church of Corinth is a church that is also a mess. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. They're they're divided about everything they can be divided about. They're fighting about everything. There are those who deny that Jesus rose from the dead. There are major issues in terms of relationships. In particular one man (coughs) is having an inappropriate relationship with his own mother. This is a culture in Corinth. And they are a church, they are a community that they prize speakers. They want somebody who can speak with eloquence. They have to be entertaining, engaging. Paul, this is kind of ironing, remember that him that always says if I cannot preach like Paul? Actually, if you read Paul's own words, there's actually a very good chance that you can speak just as good as him. Because Paul, in his own words, he is a bad, bad speaker. He's actually admitting it right in this chapter. I am not a good speaker. I do not come with lofty speech or wisdom. Verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much. him crucified. A message of utter foolishness. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that's exactly what Paul said. It is foolishness to the Gentiles and a stumbling block to the Jews. Because the message of the cross, it goes back to the baptism of Jesus in the the Jordan River. When he came to John the Baptist, John said, I should not be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. Because John was bapti- doing a baptism of repentance. <laughs> you were baptized by John to repent of your sins. John knew Jesus had no sin to repent of. John, even though he was the greatest man born among women, had sin to repent of. But Jesus said, it is necessary for the fulfilling of all righteousness. For when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, he was being anointed. He was being anointed for the purpose of death. And when he was in the Jordan River, and he was being baptized, he who knew no sin This is the words of Paul for 2 Corinthians. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. In the Jordan River, Jesus was receiving the sin of the world. He was being marked with it for the sole purpose to go and be led to be a sacrifice, to be the lamb led to the slaughter. Jesus, it says in Romans, Jesus says that God showed it while we were weak, while we were helpless, when we could do nothing of our own, while we were wicked, when we had no righteousness, our righteousness was but filthy rags. God sent his son, Christ, to die for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And see, on the cross, this is why it is a foolish thing. When you really think about the cross, it makes no sense. There is a reason why God does not require you to accept it. Accept him because you can't, you would never do it. For one, we hate God in our sinful nature, but also the message is utter foolery. Tom foolery, I guess you use that old word. Because you have this reality that the one who is perfectly righteous, who is without sin, who has never committed sin, has become sin itself in order to have nails driven into his hands and into his feet. And remember, how, to show how deep his sacrifice is, he says the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
1: That is, why have
0: you abandoned me? That is when Jesus was damned. And the very little sense of the word. To be damned is to be rejected by God. Jesus had God the Father turned his back on him. He was damned. He faced absolute humiliation. And then, on the third day, he rose from the dead. And we don't know exactly when it happened, but at some point, he went into the death, into the hell, and he preached to the devil and told him he lost. And he went and he showed himself alive to 500 people, physically risen from the dead. See, because he went to the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So in the waters of in his baptism, he received our, our unrighteousness. Galatians says, All of you who have been baptized into Christ have been clothed in Christ. He was clothed in your unrighteousness and baptism so that in your baptism you would receive His righteousness. Do you remember the last words? Do you know what's the last words that Jesus said from the cross? It is finished. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the old covenant. And the righteousness that is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees, he gave to you in the waters of baptism as a free gift, because you could never achieve that righteousness. By the blood of Jesus, by his sacrifice and his gift of grace given in baptism, you receive that righteousness. So when you read those words in Matthew, you read, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never never enter the kingdom of heaven. It is law because it's telling you you can do nothing for your salvation. But the hidden gospel is that Jesus gave you that righteousness when he was sacrificed to the cross. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God. That's the message of the cross. It's a great exchange. The unrighteous for the righteous. He gave up everything that you may gain everything. That you may gain the kingdom. So, does that mean we can live however we want? No. Brad, it means, notice what Jesus said? You are the light of the world. We do good, not so God would be satisfied with us, because we can't satisfy it with our works. We do good for the sake of our neighbor. And as Jesus himself said, and the, we do it. That they may glorify you. You know what's the greatest work that you can do? Tell somebody about it. To preach the foolish message of the cross. That they may hear and receive the same righteousness you have. In Jesus' name. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep in what you faith, the life everlasting. We now stand and join in professing our faith in the Word of Jesus